Praise the Lord. He is good to us. Amen. I'm going to do a little rearranging. Give me a minute to do that. Okay. You might say that was a little weird, Pastor. Well, I might need that water. I've been fighting a little cough, cold, uh, sinusy voice thing. You can hear it, right? I don't normally sound this strange. But uh, I thought bringing that water closer would be helpful. So welcome to King of Kings. It's so good to have you in Jerusalem today. Um, we have some great guests joining us today. I just want to mention the Axe Academy. Blessings to you guys from Denmark. Welcome. Glad to have you in the house. And thank you for spending some private time with me earlier today. What a great time we had. Welcome all of the rest of our guests and visitors. Uh, we also welcome everybody watching online, King's Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube, and other platforms around the world. I want to just mention a few of those countries that are watching because the media team just sent these to me. Listen to some of these great countries. Austria, Brazil, Canada, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, France, Germany, Hungary, India, of course, other parts of Israel, Indonesia, Ireland, Kenya, Malaysia, Malta, Mexico, Norway, Philippines, Poland, Puerto Rico, Singapore, South Africa, South Korea, Sweden, Switzerland, Tanzania, United Kingdom, and United States. Welcome to King of Kings. And like I always say, those are just the people who told us where they were from. We have so many more in the house. And beyond just our guests and those visiting tonight, I want to just mention a few honored family members that are in the house tonight as well. Um, <clears throat> uh, let me just begin by, by saying welcome back to uh, Jeff and Sharon Futers, who are with us here on the front row from First Century Foundations. Thank you guys from Canada. Part of the King of Kings family. We do so many partnering things together. We got to do the wonderful... Uh, media spot this week, so thank you for having me on the show. That was a lot of fun uh, as well. Uh, we have some, some friends that are wonderful friends of ours. We've gotten to spend some private time together back in the Rockwall, Texas area from Lake Point Church. Pastor Shea Fields and uh, Mark and Tim, thank you guys for being here as well. Send our love back to your whole pastoral team when you get back uh, to the United States as well. And there's a dear friend of mine, Laurent, is here from Geneva. Thank you for being here today as well, part of Esther Foundation. Bless you, friend. Uh, thank you for bringing the group and helping guide them as well. Uh, and some of you don't know this. I told you a few weeks ago we were going to announce where the next King of Kings congregation is being launched. Now, we actually did. That's, that snuck out last week. I don't know if you heard me. It did sneak out somewhere in the sermon. Now, some of you might have missed it. If you missed it, I'm sorry. I'm not going to say it again. No, that's not true. I'm going to say it again. I'm very happy to celebrate this because the new pastoral couple, the planting pastor and his wife are in the house tonight. Would you stand up, Pastor Ilya and Janet? Would you stand up? We want to honor you tonight. Thank you so much. They're planting the new King of Kings campus in Modain this Thursday, I think, or Wednesday night, I think it is. We have our, our leadership meeting kicks off, and then in the month of December, we have our public meetings. We'll begin in a home group format, which has always been the DNA here at King of Kings. So if you're not part of a home group, if you're not part of a community group, you will never feel like you're truly part of this congregation. I'm just telling you the truth. If you're not connected, get connected. 
to what we're doing here. Amen? All good news, all good things. So happy you're here. Grab your Bibles, grab your devices. We're going to be in the book of 1 John tonight. The book of 1 John. And as you're turning there, I want to honor some super servants. A couple of weeks ago, we had an accident here in the King of Kings family, and I mentioned that there were two servants that went above and beyond. They, they served extra hours. They came in late, even when it wasn't their duty and their shift. They didn't just say, well, that's not my area. They jumped in and served. And I told you that Pastor Sam and Tyro both served so wonderfully in, in just extra effort. We wanted to thank them and honor them. Tonight, I want to I wanna honor someone else because sometimes you think being up here is just, it's, it's, it's glamorous and, and, and man, it would be great to just, if I could do something in front of people uh, and then I would never have to do the dirty work again. That's not, that's not King of Kings thinking. You know, once dirty work, always dirty work. No, I'm kidding. That's, that's not our motto, but no, maybe it is our motto. But I wanted to, you know, the worship team is so wonderful. And we have such a good team across the board. But, but what's interesting is tonight, did, did, you, did you see the, the wonderful announcements that were done tonight by Joanna? And Joanna leads our online Kings Highway community group. She buys in to the full vision. Not only does she lead a community group, she helps us do the, the announcements and you might say, well, that is a really good servant's heart. No, no, no. You don't even understand who she is. She's our CFO. She runs all the finances for King of Kings Network globally. And she's willing to help lead a community group and to do announcements. Thank you, Joanna, for all of your heart to buy into the King of Kings vision. And up here, you had some beautiful instrumentation. Thank you guys so much. And thank you, team, Pastor Vaco, uh, Pastor Ray, for flowing in the spirit and just letting us absorb what the Holy Spirit is doing and being flexible. And right over here, we had Melissa Mott. Now, you might say, she's up there a lot. And she is up here a lot because she has a wonderful gift, and we get to be edified by that gift. But let me tell you this. Two weeks ago, she, in our discipleship class, she was asked to lead worship, and she was so faithful. She came and led worship and discipleship. It's not just that she gets up here. She gets into the small groups. She gets into the discipleship group, and she's willing to lead worship there, but it doesn't stop there. You know what she did in week one? She led worship. You know what she did in week number two? She watched the children so we could have worship. That's a servant. Can we say thank you to Melissa for serving us? You need to catch that DNA. That's who we are. We're here to serve people and to love them, to lay down our life for everybody else. Book of 1 John. We are going to conclude the current series that we've been in called The Source. I'm sorry, I gotta honor one more person. I was, there were so many people on my heart tonight. Part of our King of Kings family is here from the United States, from the state of Missouri, Greg Cash. Welcome back to the family. Good to see you again. Haven't seen you in a while, brother. He serves us in the United States side uh, in our media team and came over for our media retreat, and he's serving us by visiting all the campuses now, helping us catch up with some of our footage. So thank you, Greg. 
give Tammy and the kids love for us, okay? First John chapter four, we're closing out the source series. So far, if you've been with us, this is what you learned. God is the source of all things good, James chapter one. God is the source of light and life, Genesis one. Yeshua himself, the source of eternal salvation, Hebrews five. He is the source of hope, Romans 15, the source of peace, Isaiah 9, the source of restoration, Revelation 21, the source of truth, John 14, the source of vision, Jeremiah 29. You can find all of that on the archives if you missed any of that, uh, any of those sermons. 1 John chapter 4, 7 and 8 is the kickoff verse tonight. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Tonight, God is the source of love. Love itself, the invention, the creation, the crafted element of love existed only because it came from God. He's the source, he's the engine. He's the factory that it comes from. Everything else that we do is simply a replication or a copy of the love that he showed us first. And we have such good news to share with you tonight. God does not simply love because, only because he chooses to, although he does choose to. He loves generally because he can't help it. It's who he is. If you don't know that God is love, then you've never actually met the God that we all know. We're gonna challenge you to do that tonight. Would you be so brave to actually spend a few minutes and try to meet the God that we talk about? I know you've heard about him on the news, all the fake stuff. But tonight we challenge you to meet the real God, the one who invented love itself. And when you're around him, you're gonna be blessed by his love. If we will take time in the quiet place, you get blessed by his love just from being in his presence because he's the source and the essence of love itself. There is no time that you will ever be in God's presence and not receive his love because it's impossible for him. It naturally oozes out of him, it shines out of him. And then you flip the coin over and you learn another good piece of good news, that he doesn't just love generally either. He loves very specifically. Love comes out of him because he's the source of it, but then he loves you because he wants to, because he runs after you, because he pursues you, because of all the priorities in the universe, he will put those on pause so he can come and meet with you the moment you say, God, I'm ready to meet with you now. So he doesn't just love you generally, he loves you also specifically, and both of those are good news. He loves in both forms because he's the source of love. And everything that he does is motivated out of love because it comes from his inner being. It comes from the source itself. It's like it can't get out of the door of God's heart until it passes through the waterfall of love. It gets wet from his love before it gets out the door. Everything he thinks, 
Everything he desires, everything he creates, everything he says has to first pass through the waterfall of love because he's the source of it. And everything he does, everything he says is motivated out of love itself, including, friends, some things that might seem difficult. You say, Pastor, you just made a bold statement. Let's rewind that for just a minute. Everything he does is motivated out of love. So you just said that. Let's pretend, because somebody said it. And I'm going to receive the challenge. Everything God does is motivated out of love. Okay, let's test this theory. Here we go. You know, God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden, right? How in the world is that motivated out of love? Well, according to the story, there were two important trees in the garden. One was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and if you ate from it, you would die, and you would be in sin. The other tree was called the tree of life. If you ate from that, you would live forever. So when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they let sin and death into their life, if they would have been permitted to stay in the garden and also eaten from the tree of life, they would have forever lived in a state of death and sin. But by kicking them out of the garden, God showed love. And he said, I don't want you to forever live in that state of sin and pain. I know you might not understand my motive right now, but kicking you out of the garden is the best thing I can do for you. Because one day, it will allow this physical body to die so that I can give you the, the real body you were supposed to have. One day, I'm gonna let this heaven and earth pass away so that I can give you the real heaven, the new heaven and earth, the one you were supposed to have. Everything God does is motivated out of love. Let's test the theory a little bit more. If God is so loving and he's so powerful, then how does he let bad things continue to happen on the earth? Big cosmic question. Everybody likes to ask that question as if it's some big stumper theologically. Oh, if he's so loving, why does he let bad things happen? I'll tell you exactly why he lets bad things happen. Because God will allow sin to do what it does. And he will allow sin to reveal itself as evil and a decaying mechanism to humankind. He will allow sin to expose itself so that we can decipher between the truth and a lie. If he intervened in every single situation, hear me on this, you would not know the difference between righteousness and sin because you couldn't see what the fruit of it was. But by stepping back and letting sin do what sin does, God has proven right. And what happens is when people feel pain, when people are disappointed, they'll finally admit they need help. And when they need help, they'll finally run to the Lord. And in the end, more people get saved because of the pain they felt than the people who just lived a happy, perfect life. Because when you live a happy, perfect life, you don't even know you need a savior. So that's why a loving God who can do whatever he wants allows sin to stay on the earth 
because it produces more people running to him so he can actually save them. It's a loving, merciful position to take, even though we as sinful humanity have a tough time understanding it fully. God's love and his kindness draws us to repentance, according to Romans 2, 4. Or do you, it says, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? He will let sin do what it does for a time so that we will know our need for him so he can actually save us, which is his loving heart. And seeing the destruction and sin and evil of this world often makes people think about God, is your word true? Can I trust you? Can I run to you? Now, in all of this, we understand that God, as you read the scriptures, is a God of covenants, right? God makes a lot of covenants in the scriptures. And you might say, well, I wonder why he makes so many covenants. What is motivating God to do this. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 gives us a, a hint here. It says, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. He's a covenant-keeping God, but he's motivated out of love and a love relationship. You know, the people in the Bible that that were called to these special covenants, if we were just to go back and review their life for a moment, they didn't get these covenants because they were such perfect people. I got a chance to minister a little bit last night at one of our campuses at Nachalat, and I, I did the parasha, a little piece called the drasha. It's the part where you give a summary of the portion. And in that portion, we were reading about the blessing and the covenant of Abraham, but I reminded the, the congregation that you know, Abraham lied. Abraham lied to Pharaoh about his wife. Right? Like he was in trouble with two people now. And then, when, when God said, I'm going to give you a son, Joanna and I were talking about this week, and she actually pointed it out. My notes were wrong. I had in my notes that when God said, you're going to have a son, Sarah laughed. That's actually the second time it happened. The first time it happened, Abraham laughed. Chapter 16 of Genesis. Abraham laughed first when God said, you're going to have a son. And you say, well, why did he get a covenant? Because it wasn't because he did something great. It's because he called God his friend. And he loved God, and God loved him. God loved him generally, but God loved him specifically because everything God does is motivated out of love, including his covenant-making, because he's the source of love itself. God made promises to Adam, to Noah, to Abraham, Moses, David, Caleb, and, and many others because he's motivated out of love. He wants to make a covenant with you tonight. You say, but I'm not one of those the big men or women of the Bible. You know what, friends? Can I just be honest with you? They weren't either when this happened. King David, do we really need to go over his resume? Smallest among the brothers, everybody overlooked him. 
right? He was too scared to discipline his children. That caused violence in his household. Then there was a coup against him because he wouldn't discipline his son. He was lustful after Bathsheba. He had to try to cover that up by having his, one of his, uh, his soldiers murdered. Man, I, I kind of feel like we can measure up to that. Like, like we could do it. Come on, guys, like King David. <laughs> yeah. See, I just lifted your faith, didn't I? Your faith is high now. I could do that. I mean, pastor, I'm, I'm in. But it wasn't because of what they did. It's because God is the source of love. And the next time you feel like you're invaluable or God doesn't love you or he's never going to call you to something special, just remember he called these people before they were in the Bible. They were nothing because he loved them because they went to him and allowed him to love them. It wasn't because they did anything great. Now, being made in the image of God as his children, we're conformed more and more every day to his image, Romans 8 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You see, we are to bring a similar version of that, being made in God's image, who is a covenant-making God, to our relationship so that we are covenant-making relationship people. That's why the marriage is a covenant. We need to be made in the image of God that way. We come into a marriage with the understanding that that's it. That's the covenant. It, it, it's gonna be hard sometimes and, and they're gonna do something you don't like and guess what, you're gonna do something they don't like. I'm, I try to be very regular with my wife. Sweetie, thank you so much for putting up with me. And she says, oh, thank you for putting up with me. I'm like, but baby, you're perfect. What? I didn't put up with anything. You are perfect. She's watching online tonight. I love you, baby. <laughs> Just a quick sales pitch there. <laughs> but that's a covenant for life. She, she would say, would you love me if, and I always tell her yes before the next word comes out. <laughs> baby, would you love me? Yep. But I didn't say it yet. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. And that's how God thinks about you. But, but God, would you love me if I did? Yep. Well, but God, I didn't say what I was going to do. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. I love you. You're my child. I, I would do anything for you. I would, I would die for you. And he's thought that from the very beginning, which is why when it came the moment where the rubber had to meet the road, will you die for me? He said, absolutely. It'll be my joy to die for you because I love you generally, but I also love you specifically. I'm the source of love. We're going through a discipleship class. I want to encourage everybody to try to make it on Wednesday night because we're talking about the development of relationships. And if you want to be made in the image of a God, you better learn at least one thing, and that is how to love people through relationships. Come join us Wednesday night. So now that we know that God loves generally and he also loves specifically, let me give you our first key phrase of the night. God loves us naturally from his own source. 
and intentionally through relationship pursuit. He, loves, he already loves you automatically, but that's not the only way he loves you. He loves you through relationship pursuit. I love the song we sing, the goodness of God is always running after me. He's chasing you down. You know, I will love you. Stand still, I'm gonna love you, right? If you've ever had a pet, can you raise your hand if you have a pet in the house? Anybody have pets, cats, dogs, goats? <laughs> Come on, Greg, where's Greg? Greg lives on a farm. You ever, you ever tried to like help your pet? Come on, pet. I'm gonna give you a bath. <laughs> Under the bed, in the closet, you can't find it. You're like, but I'm trying to do something nice. Let me just bathe you and clip you and cut you and put a bow on you and feed you. I always feel like that's what God's like us. Like, I'm trying to love you, be still. No, you're controlling me. No, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm just trying to love you. Calm down. Calm down. Just trying to love on you a little bit. His goodness runs after us. We know that God is motivated to make covenants with his people. He's motivated out of love to do this. We know, in fact, that everything God does is motivated out of love because he's the source of love itself. It originated with him. And we are created to experience this love which is why if we are not in relationship with God through Yeshua, we will never feel complete or whole inside. Because you're made like your father. He's a God of love. He's a God of covenant. He's a God of relationship. And if that's not what you're about, you're going to feel empty because you're not being like your father. You were created to do these things. We can never find adequate love anywhere else if we leave the love relationship with God out of our lives. Partly because we'll never know what it feels like to receive it, and then partly because we'll never know what it's like to give it to someone else. You ever wonder why over 50% of the marriages around the world now are failing? Because as soon as you take God out of your life, you have no idea how to love someone else. You have no idea how to do it. You're trying. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to make more money. I'm going to buy, buy a bigger house, a better car. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix myself up real nice and try to, try to convince them. No, it doesn't. You don't, you don't know how to love yet. And you'll never learn how to do that without the primary source of love in your life. These are big lessons that God is trying to impart to us tonight. Now, we can find examples of this deep covenantal level of relationships in our marriages, relationships with our children, extended family, even in our community here, and it expresses itself in serving one another. And that's why I wanted to mention the servants of the house all the time. Because when they are going above and beyond to serve us, they are expressing love the same way God expresses love. They're speaking his language. Now, we've said the word love many times already tonight, so maybe we should get the definition of it. How about that? Let's figure out what it is. The Bible says in the book of John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, 
than to lay down his life for one's friend. So if you were wondering what it is that we are talking about, it's that verse. Greater love has no one. So this is the top of the top. This is the best definition there is in the universe. There is no higher definition of love. Here it is. Greater love has no one than to lay down his life for a friend. And that's how you make a marriage work. That's how you make a friendship work. That's how you make a partnership work. That's how you make a community healthy. A bunch of people laying down their life for each other. It's really how the world is supposed to work. And the world stops using that formula and things start to break down. But that's the Bible's definition of love. Yeshua showed us this love and, and this is the, the only true version of it at its highest level, that he laid down his life for us. Back to 1 John chapter 4, our original text. I'm in verse 9 now. It says, this is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Did you see that? Did you catch that? It wasn't because we loved him so great. It was because he loved us so great. Back to the patriarchs. It wasn't because they had figured out how to be perfect. On the contrary, God had figured out how to perfect his love for them. And then he offered it to them. And they said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll. He said, you don't deserve it, but I'll take it. And that's how salvation works. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve salvation. I, I don't deserve my wife, but I'll take her. I don't deserve my four beautiful kids either but I'll certainly take them. And God is saying here, I'm the source of love. Take my love. And you say, okay, I'll, I'll, I don't deserve it, but I'll take it. And then you learn what love is. And then you can love him back. Then you can love others back. Now, how can we love like God? Because we're not always in a position to physically lay down our life for someone, right? So Yeshua gave us the example and you're like, but, but Chad, I can't go to the cross physically every day. So how do I do this thing you're calling love? What, what, what is the practicalities? Well, it means we can still lay down our life by laying down our will, laying out down our desires, laying down our own pleasure seeking, laying down our conveniences to serve someone else above ourselves. As soon as we learn how to do that, then we're loving the same way God loved at his highest definition. Because we're always ca called to care more about someone else and their well-being being than our own. And so I've often used a good new covenant application definition for bringing God's highest definition of love down to earth so we can grab it, right? Because we we're not always going to be called to jump on the cross. We, it's not something we can always do. So how can we do it? So here's our second key phrase of the night, and it's really our application definition of love in today's world. I'm gonna read this just for Jonathan Goff. That's an inside joke. Jonathan, I love you, bro. If you're at discipleship on Wednesday, you understand that joke. See, not enough if you understood the joke. That means you weren't at discipleship on Wednesday night. I know who you are. 
Key phrase, number two, love is the genuine pursuit of God's intended destiny for another person guided by law. If you want to know how you do it, that's how you do it. You have a genuine pursuit. You really want to do this of what God created someone else to do and help them do that thing to the best of your ability. It's a genuine desire to help them become everything God created them to be. And then you do that with your whole heart and always stay inside the boundaries of God's law. If you do those two things, you'll be doing the action of God's highest definition of love on earth today in the modern world. And our capacity to love others comes from connecting with the source of love. Back in the main text, 1 John 4, this time in verse 19, we love because he first loved us. We didn't invent it. So anybody out there that struggles with this idea that how can a loving God let bad things happen they don't even understand that he's the inventor of it. You can't point your finger at God and say, well, he doesn't love enough. He's the inventor of it as an, as an element. So we've given you the biblical definition of love and we've given you a new covenant application of love, the genuine pursuit of God's intended destiny for another person always guided by law. You'll understand how that, that plays together here in a moment. This definition of love is clearly not how the world is using it today. Am I right? You see, what happens from time to time is people come into the, the scriptures with a modern, twisted, hijacked definition of a word. And then they try to apply a biblical principle to a word that they've changed or a situation that they've changed, and that's not fair. So the next time you are talking to someone and you're doing your Facebook thing and you're arguing with all the people that you'll never change their minds, you know the, that thing? Come on, I know who you are. I'm watching your post. You're like, Pastor, we never see you online. That's right, I'm watching your post. I may not be posting anything. Actually, just to be honest, can I be a little bit more honest than that? I don't post anything. And I ain't reading your stuff anyway. But my wife is reading your stuff and she's telling me what you say. That's right. That's shout out number two, sweetheart. I love you. Here's the new definition of love, by the way. Here, you ready? I gave you, I gave you the Bible's definition. Here's the new definition of love. You must accept and celebrate my evil no matter what the consequences. That's today's definition of love. You must accept it Whatever I choose to do, no matter how dumb it is, how evil, how hurtful, you must accept that. And now, see, 10 years ago, it used to be you have to accept it. Now, it's you must accept it and celebrate it. You, you got to get out into a parade now and celebrate my evil, otherwise you don't love me. And they have hijacked the word love. That's not what love means at all. True love means I'm trying to help you find your destiny. And I promise you, your destiny is not to be marching out in a parade of rainbow colors. I promise you that's not your destiny. 
Intervening in those moments is true love. Not accepting and celebrating evil. That's not love. And it goes hand in hand with the idea of tolerance. Tolerance is another word that got hijacked. Tolerance means tell me you approve of everything I want to do. I can't, I can't do that. Well, you're not tolerant. Since when did I have to approve to be tolerant of something? You see, little words get twisted. They get grabbed. They get hijacked all the time. And be careful that you know the true source of love and you know the real definition of love so that you will know how to really apply love in the world today in which you're called to be a light in a dark place. But you can't do that unless you know the real version. Back to 1 John 4, verse 5. Because the Bible tells us a little bit about what's going to happen in these days. It says, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them through media, web, movies, TV, social media, YouTube. The world's viewpoint is being pushed on the children, on anybody online. It's being pushed. And they're saying, listen to our version of love. It means they must accept and celebrate everything you want to do, no matter how hurtful it is. Anything outside of that isn't love. And you say, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, greater love has no one than to lay down his life for a friend. Using these corrupted techniques of communication, the world now uses scriptures out of context and attempts to apply them to their twisted definitions of God's word. You ever see that? You, you, you tell somebody, hey, that's gonna hurt you. Ooh, you shouldn't. Don't do that. Don't go that direction. That's gonna hurt you and your spouse and your children and your family and your business and your future and your body. It's gonna hurt everything in your life. Oh, you, you hate. Whoa, hate. What, did we just hijack the word hate? Oh, I believe we did. I believe we just hijacked the word hate. Mark 12, 31. You'll hear this verse in conjunction to the argument. To love your neighbor as yourself. Second greatest commandment. And if you tell me you don't like what I'm doing, you don't love me. You can't disagree with me. Because after all, the new definition of hate is disagree. If you disagree with me, you hate. If you don't accept me and celebrate me, then you don't love. And you see what Satan's trying to do? He's trying to twist the definitions so that you can never apply them properly to the scriptures. Then you have a world running amok in selfishness and sinful pleasures momentarily and wanting everybody to participate and celebrate in that all the while, it's just spiraling down to deep corruption on its way to hell. I'm just trying to speak truth here. I know it's not fancy. One of the students asked me today, what, is, what did you learn the most about preaching? What was my answer? Keep it simple. I'm keeping it simple. Do not let the world around you hijack biblical words. Just because they decided to change what the word gay means, they hijacked that word too, by the way. 
They hijacked the word adult. There used to be a day where you could say the word adult and it didn't mean pornography because they hijacked that word too. They decided to hijack one of God's covenant symbols, the rainbow. They hijacked that one too. They hijacked the word church. You ever been to a church that's not really a church? Hijack that word too. They hijack leadership. There are leaders calling themselves Christians today that do not believe the scriptures at all. And they hijack that. And we are called as a generation, probably one of the last ones, if you look at the pace of this thing, that are gonna have to stand for righteousness. And you're gonna have to be stubborn. And you're gonna have to be somewhat, not on purpose, but somewhat annoying. Because you will not move. I won't move. The Bible says in the book of Revelation three times, these days call for the faithful perseverance of the saints. That means that as a stubborn group, and you say, this Bible, it is so old, there needs to be a newer New Testament. It doesn't keep up with the times. It doesn't say enough about women. It doesn't say enough about empowerment. It doesn't say enough about Black Lives Matter. It doesn't say enough about wokeism. It doesn't say enough about any of this stuff. Because all of it is wrong. That's why it doesn't talk about it that way. The Bible will not use the modern definitions the world is trying to make it use. And if that makes it seem out of date, so be it. But I can tell you, the one who has always lived and the one who is perfect and the one who is the source of true love, everything he's ever written was motivated out of love. And his principles not only never change, his principles have never failed. And you're called to be the stubborn generation. Just stand there. Keep saying the truth. They're going to persecute you. They're going to stone you. They're going to cancel you. Oh, my gosh. They blocked me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this YouTube right here today is about to get blocked. You know why? Because I went down the checklist of everything I could offend on purpose. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Worship team, come help me close this out. First John chapter four, verse 20, still in the main text. We're gonna close with a couple of verses. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Guys, the definition of hate, by the way, coming from the Greek word meseo, it means to detest someone with all of your being. Obviously, that's not how that word should be used in today's modern definition by saying you disagree with me, so you hate how about let's be grown adults where we can have a conversation again? The immaturity of the unbelievers is showing its ugly head. You see what God does? He's so smart. He lets sin show its head. You can see it in today's world. People can't even 
They can't even sit down. Sit down with me. Sit, just sit for one minute. I'm going to sit here. You're going to sit there. Can you tell me what a woman is? I'm done with this interview. I'm getting up. I'm leaving. You can't sit down like an adult and have a conversation and just tell me what you think a woman is? Why? Because sin is showing its head. And you can notice it if you're paying attention. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And finally, and this may be the biggest challenge to all of us tonight, and this blanket that I'm about to close with is going to hit every one of us. So just get ready for it. It's going to hit your marriage, your parenting, your business, how you connect with the community of faith, how you go to small group, how you serve your neighbors, how you run your finances. It's going to hit everything. It's the next verse. It's our last verse tonight. It's going to, it's going to hit how you, what you do in your private time. It's going to hit how you prioritize your time. It's going to hit who you support. Listen to this. Let the Word of God do the work here. Romans 1.32. Although they knew God's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approved of those who practice them. People of God, you got to hear me tonight. You're not allowed to play middle ground. You can't play the fence. You, you, you can't pretend to be okay with the language coming out of today's world. And yet still, but no, I'm, I'm a firm believer in Messiah. Messiah says, you can't play that game. And you say, but I'm not doing the sin. Yes, but you're approving of the ones who are doing it. And in God's kingdom, there is no middle. It's hot or it's cold. It's in or it's out. It's either you're with me or you're my enemy, right? You love me or you hate me. There is no middle and the world is trying to convince you that you can live in the middle by what it's doing. Let's take that to prayer. Can you stand? I feel like we just need to pray into that last verse as we close. God, help us. We need so much help. There's so much to be done, and we don't always know where to start. So here's where we're going to start tonight. Father, we receive your love. That's where we start tonight. We receive your love. You loved us first, and that's where we start. And by receiving your love, we commit to now love others, even to the laying down of our life, that we will genuinely pursue your God-created destiny for them. And God, when we see evil, we will call it evil. And we will be stubborn for righteousness. We will not let the world hijack words. And we will not let the world hijack your word. And Father, we come to a moment of repentance. Forgive us for where we have approved of what the world is doing. 
Even if we've never participated, we have approved in it. Forgive us, O oh God. Forgive us, God. Cleanse us, wash us, make us new. Forgive us for thinking we can live in the middle. It's a place that doesn't actually exist. Holy Spirit, we need your power now. You promised to fill us for these times. It wasn't a maybe. You said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Let us have the power you promised to stand firm in a dark time. Thank you, Lord. Empower us tonight in the name of Yeshua. Let's take that back into worship team.